Now, the Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. Good morning and welcome to the Wednesday edition of the program. I'm Bobby Curran along with Tanner Hayworth back in his accustomed seat. We have lots of things to talk about today and I, there's going to be some stars missing from week one of the NFL. I mean, it's almost impossible to see at this point Nick Bosa or Chris Jones or Brian Burns going to play. I mean, it looks like those guys are all holding out at, for bigger, newer contracts. There are some guys who look like they probably will play. Joe Burrow, chief among them, who does not have a contract and kind of most people expected his extension would have been done by now. But it's not. And they have till, you know, till right before kickoff to get that done. So I think that's a very interesting deal. I think the hope was that Patrick Mahomes would get his extension and then Joe Burrow would see a new market set and he would get paid the big bucks as well. Hasn't happened. So we'll see. I, I think that could affect – it could affect some of the games in week one. For example, not having Nick Bosa when you go to Pittsburgh, uh, which is their opener, is going to be tough on the Niners. I don't have any doubt about that. that they'll miss him. You know, 18 and a half sacks is just ridiculous. So I, I kind of think that uh, if you were looking for an upset, that might be on my list, frankly. I just think that's uh, that's – it's not inevitable. I think it can be avoided. But we'll see because we don't know how Brock Purdy's going to be after coming off injury. He's got some, you know, he's had a decent camp as far as it went. Uh, but, you know, this is this is prime time. This is real time. And I think a lot of people are waiting to see can, can Brock Purdy do this again. Because last season was frankly fantastic. You couldn't ask much more out of a rookie than the, and the last guy taken in the darn draft than what Brock Purdy gave you. Now, that's going to be I, – I like to say – I've said this before about Jalen Hurts. i got to see it again. I mean, I, I just – it's one year. We've seen great one years before. So, let's see. I mean, is Jalen Hurts going to be as good a quarterback as there is in the NFL? Because he darn near was that last year. And perfect for Philadelphia. But I wouldn't be shocked if there was a little drop-off there. Wouldn't surprise me. Also, he runs enough that you just say, geez, you're going to be able to hold up. And there are some guys who are really good runners. Kyler Murray's a case in point. That I don't think that, that guy's destined for a long career as a running, a running quarterback. I just don't think he's too small. And the, the players get bigger, faster, stronger every year. And one of those guys gets you square at his size, and you're in trouble. Just saying. Uh, if you have something you'd like to talk with us uh, about, now's a good time to give us a ring. 808-296-1420. We are going to have a couple of delightful things for you. We're going to have Gabe Blacks from USA Today to talk Major League Baseball. He had an interesting article in USA Today about uh, fairly recently about uh, why so many pitchers, especially high-velocity guys, are blowing out elbows. It's Tommy Johns. It's the... You know, other surgeries on ULCs, all that stuff. But it's happening in droves. There's a lot of guys that have had two surgeries by the time they sign a, um, you know, a contract. And then they're in the minors. So, I mean, it's not unusual to have two, you know, two surgeries on a guy. And now they're saying 
it looks like Shohei Otani will need surgery if he wants to pitch again. So I, I find all that interesting. So it would be fun to talk with uh, Gabe Blacks about that stuff. Also, we have a pair of tickets to volleyball as they are going to be playing Liberty. Liberty, Liberty, Liberty. You know, see the kid commercial? I love that commercial. Anyway, uh, and that that's going to be uh, – that'll be an interesting game for them. And Wahine playing well. I don't think there's any question about that. The only team that beat them so far – was a really big, powerful, physical Oregon team. That may be their bet noir this year. That might be the one they have trouble with And when they play a team that's... I'm not sure they're going to play anybody in the Big West that's going to even be close in size uh, to Oregon. We got Pat on the line. What's up, Pat? Hey, how you doing? Doing good. I see you every morning. Right on. Thank you. Yeah, and I like the comments about the Hawaii football. Yes, please do. I've been watching Hawaii for 20 years. And it just seems that they get a slow start with, uh, you know, like Stanford. I went to the game. Just saw the defense getting overtaken early. And I was just disappointed. I was like putting ourselves back in the eight ball again. I I I actually predicted. Hawaii, but I still do. Yeah. But they're going to have to fix that. They got a number of things. Too many penalties. Offensive line was porous against Stanford. Shager was running for his life. I just think you, you, you can't play that way. You, you can't get two of your four best defensive players thrown out of the game for targeting. I mean, these are things that you just cannot afford to have happen. I mean, the, the pre-snap penalties on offense, the holding penalties. I mean, this has got to get fixed. I think if Hawaii's going to have, you know, the achievements that they had looked forward to preseason, they're going to be better at these things. Yeah, I just I think it's – I'll tell you what has been a surprise to me is how good the receivers are. I mean, Pofeli yeah. Ashlock is a terrific true freshman. Uh, that's hard yeah. to believe, anyway. Or maybe he's a redshirt freshman. I'm not even sure of that. Because I wasn't. He, I was in Phoenix. I'm flat on my back in a hospital this time last year. Oh, sorry to hear that. No, was, I'm, I'm good now. So I'm, I'm I'm happy that I'm back. But I didn't. I don't have his uh, his profile down as well as I will. But I'm watching him, and I'm saying that is one heck of a a, a player. Yeah. And that kid who's the transfer from Kansas. Is really good. McBride, I think his name is. He yeah, is really good. So, and, and then one guy who I've always enjoyed watching, proof that good things come in small packages, is Kowali Nishigaya. I mean, he is fun to watch. Um, I So far, I haven't seen what I expected out of the tight end position. But I do think uh, that there's hope there. And and this some guys we haven't you know Jonah Pinocchio's not healthy. It's the reason he's not in the lineup, and he's really good. So I do think the receiving core is going to be a big help. I'm a little yeah, surprised be- that uh, Tylen Hines hasn't been able to get off yet. I think the problem for him is, you know, he was almost what seven yards a carry last year, and I think everybody who scouted was prepared for him. They're all looking for him now. That may not be the case with Albany. They'll look at the first two games and say, "What are we worrying about him for?" we got to worry about their quarterback and receivers. And the day that somebody makes up their mind to do that, uh, you're going to see Tylen Hines break out. I mean, it can happen at any game. He's very quick. i got one more comment. 
Sure. I, you know, Hawaii. I, I live in Hawaii. I played out I played out in Hawaii when we had championship teams in the 80s. Yeah. And our family is a type where, you know, you get out there, hit somebody. Um, and with all these uh, lead hits and all that, it's actually part of our culture. It's like it's hard to stop when you, you, fart, you know, you fart movement. And that's where a lot of we get caught up with that because we mock Polynesian and we come for hit because that's the only way we can do the punishment to try to uh, back these guys off because they're talking on the line too a lot. So anyway, thank you for the time and opportunity. All right. Pre- appreciate you, Peter. Uh, thank you for the call. We have uh, somebody else like to t- give us a ring and your thoughts, whether it be Hawaii football or NFL upcoming. First game is tomorrow night uh, for the NFL, so that, that should be interesting. And uh, I do think we'll get a lot of surprises. I was watching the NFL networks, and so I, I'm a Spectrum guy, and so I can't watch any of the ESPN platforms. So I can listen, but I can't watch. So anyway, I, uh, I heard a guy saying that first weeks of the NFL season are lies, all lies. You get a lot of un- unanticipated and perhaps non-repeatable results in week one. All right, I, I buy that. Uh, that does happen sometimes. But I also think these are real games now. So if you're not up for re- and you're not up and you're not ready uh, and you get dealt a stinging upset loss in the first game, who's that on? That's on you. That, that is on you entirely. Got Mike on the line. What's up, Mike? Hey, good morning, Bobby. I'm with you on that Stanford game. I, I, I kind of figured people don't realize that Stanford's a better program than Vanderbilt. I don't care how bad they are. they got a new coach, and they're physical. They're always a physical team. But um, i tell you the difference between expectations on certain, because I live out here for the last 34, five years, and I'm a Buckeye fan. I mean, they're already asking for uh, Ryan Day to get fired because their offense looks like crap against Indiana. Silliness. <laughs> and they win by three touchdowns on the road. And it, yeah, you know, the expectations of, of Buckeye fans are outrageous. They're nuts. Yeah. You know, I mean, the crazy thing about it is, Bobby, is you're breaking in a new quarterback and three offensive linemen that left that, have, that made NFL teams. And the other thing is you didn't have Marvin Harrison, right? We did have him, but he's well, he's he's he's, he's compromised, let's put it that way. Right, right. And the other thing is that's why Nick Saban is smart with his scheduling. When he, he always schedules these cupcakes for the first couple of games, especially when he's breaking in a new quarterback like he is, right? You get Middle Tennessee. You can say what you want about Indiana, but it's not Middle Tennessee State. No. But it's also, they are not been the same since they lost that quarterback. Oh, to, oh that's to, uh, terrible. Yeah, he went to yeah, Washington. He's Washington. Oh, he's, to me, he's Bobby, that was, it. that was the most uh, impressive win of the weekend, in my opinion, how they smoked Boise State. Yeah, I'm not sure Boise State is what it was. I, we'll see. But I, I, I'm yeah. not sure if Washington's that good or maybe Boise State's falling back a step. But the Pac-12, though, last year, i got to give them credit, uh, it's going to be one heck of a ride this, la- this, this, this year. You know it would serve everybody right if Oregon, Oregon State wins State. the darn thing. I'm with, I'm with you there. I'm rooting for them, believe it or not. Yeah, I'm definitely rooting for Oregon State. There's no doubt. 
No, I think uh, Jonathan Smith is a really good coach. They've got some good players there, no question. And and, and they yeah, were pretty they got, good last year. And they got that kid from Clemson who looked a little better than uh, Clemson's quarterback. Although, I mean, that was, to me, uh, speaking of people going off the cliff, these Clemson fans, I, I mean, they're ready to jump off, off, you know, out a window right now. Yeah, they made two. Again, this is the... This is the problem in college football. If you get a team that suddenly becomes mistake-prone like Clemson was against Duke, you can lose. Right. That's just how yeah, it is. Dabo Swinney yeah. said it was the most unusual game he's ever coached in. Well, I'll tell you what was unusual, Dabo, is your team made way, way too many mistakes. Right. And then uh, Florida State looks like they're back. Very possibly so. I was I was disappointed in, uh, in LSU's second-half performance in that game. It was terrible. You know, you, you can see it coming, though, Bobby. You can't get down in the red zone the whole first uh, quarter, I mean, first half, and and come away empty a bunch of times. Yeah, no, I agree. That's, in fact, you're probably in, in, a, in a game against a team like that, you don't even want to come away with field goals. you got to score touchdowns. Right, hey, right. Mike, i got to go. I am – behind here so and i want to remind everybody the next craig angela show is september 12th at 6 p.m at velocity of honolulu on kapilani boulevard join kanoa Leahy with uh athletic director craig angelas for the latest from behind the scenes in uh sports there's food and drink available for purchase and valet parking at the mw restaurant brought to you by the jn group Welcome back to our Wednesday edition of the program. NFL begins tomorrow, and there's some interesting races in Major League Baseball. Uh, things are not decided in every league, although in every division, although in some, uh, the winner is just a formality. And we want to welcome from USA Today, their all-things baseball guy from there is Gabe Lacks, and he joins us now. Hey, Gabe, how are you? Uh, I'm good, Bobby. Great to hear you, man. Yeah, it's been a long, long time, hasn't it? And, uh, you know, I probably should have been more diligent about making sure everybody knew all of our guests and stuff. And I wasn't as good at that. I just figured, you know, these guys will hear from somebody. But I'm finding out many of them didn't and probably wondered, what the heck happened to that guy? But anyway, I am back, and I am uh, I'm still the recovery continues, but I'm feeling really good. And uh, glad to have you on. Let me, I just read a story you had written. About which I thought was fascinating about how the high velocity pitchers in major league and minors too are having an, an unbelievable number of arm troubles. It's uh, the ULCs and it's the, uh, the Tommy John surgeries with blown out elbows and sometimes rotator cuffs. It's really quite remarkable. You'd think that people would learn after a while that you might have to be a little more careful, especially with young pitchers. Yeah, it's uh, it's always a tricky subject to write about because you know you always worry about uh, you know drawing uh, you know causation and correlation where maybe it do- it doesn't exactly exist. Uh, you sort of have to like you know realize that you don't know anything and even the experts don't know everything and it remains this this you know kind of unsolvable mystery. Um, but yeah, I, I think it kind of boils down to this bargain that you might make. Uh, as a young pitcher, if you're, you know, if you're not uh, a blue chip prospect, if you're not just sort of, 
naturally gifted with a, a classic pitcher's body and with lightning in your right arm. Uh, what do you do to make it to the big leagues? And I think the uh, I think the, the theory is, is just that okay, I, I need to throw as hard as I can, and I will throw as hard as I can for as long as I can. And a lot of guys have made a ton of money that way, knowing they're probably going to blow out someday. Uh, and you know the, the the idea is to I guess get, get as much financial security as you can, or get uh, you know get a, a standing in the game. Uh, where you're, you know, reliably able to get uh, get guys out, uh, and the surgery is really good, as as they noted. You know, it's uh, major league pitchers. It's about a ninety percent success rate, I believe, in terms of getting back to, you know, the the level that you were at. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's tricky because uh, you, you know you see these guys fall by the wayside, and you know you wonder about all the dozens to hundreds to however many of kids you don't hear about because they never bubble up to be a, you know, a college uh, star or a pro prospect or a professional player of any, of any renown. So it's tough and it's kind of the, the biggest thing beguiling the industry and it's costing, you know, millions and millions of dollars. Uh, so it's, it's, uh, it's the road that kind of never ends. And it's a, it was, I thought it was just an interesting time to check in on that because of all the, the high profile, high velocity guys that have gone down recently. You know, the other part of it, and, and uh, this was interesting, that you had pointed out that the, the, they're not necessarily, I'm talking about high school kids, travel ball kids, they're not necessarily getting the top-level coaching, but there seems to be a consistent uh, theme, and that is they're being told you've got to get to 97 to 99 if you want to have a chance to make it in the big leagues. And I think it's been proven that that's not entirely true. Right. Well, it's uh, it's interesting because hitters are now trained to turn around a hundred mile an hour fastball. You know, it used to be when the guy, uh, you know, the, the closer would come in, or when a, a real outlier like Nolan Ryan would come in. You know, and if he had his good stuff and he was locating it decently, you'd have no chance. Uh, you know, how many times now do you see a guy coming and throwing a hundred miles an hour and? Uh, and the hitter fouls off five or six pitches, you know, and yeah. maybe, uh, you know, and, you know, and occasionally runs into one if, if the guy misses his spot. So, you know, the, the theory is all things being equal, velocity will win. You know, a well-located pitch is better at 98 than it is at 94. A mislocated pitch is better at 100 than it is at 93. Uh, we all love Greg Maddox. We all love guys like Jamie Moyer. Uh, guys that can spot the ball, that can change speeds. That's still definitely a thing. You know, it's uh, uh, it's just that, uh, you know, better to be, to have four pitches that are 99, 96, 93, 88, than starting that progression at, say, 93 miles an hour. So it's really tricky. One other thing, real quick on that, uh, you know, the radar gun. It's, uh, there's some theories out there that, uh, you know, people aren't really throwing that much harder than some of the hardest throwers back in the day because the new stat cast uh, type metrics measures velocity from the release point of a pitcher as opposed to, you know, when the ball's already been released and traveling toward the plate as it uh, did back in the, uh, the days sure. with the jugs gun and stuff. So, yeah, it's, uh, but that being said, more hard throwers in this day and age, and uh, we're seeing the uh, you know the positives and, and the negatives of that for sure. Yeah, I was watching an All Star game. It was a few years ago, and I was commenting to a person I was watching it with that 
where every time a pitcher came in, the guy was throwing 97 and 99. It was crazy. I mean, I was like, I didn't know there were that many hard throwers in the league. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, it's just unreal. And, and then, uh, you know, just even more so when you watch just a random game and it's like, I've never heard of this guy. Uh, you know, what's, what's his deal? And he's throwing 96, you know, like he's rolling out of bed. <laughs> you know, the, Crazy, the, yeah. I think the, the big competitive advantage these days is which, which pitchers can, uh, can kind of leverage that and, uh, and which organizations can leverage that and figure out the best pitch mix for a guy, the best grip for a guy, the best usage, you know, that's, that's what's really separating teams, and you're, you're looking at some of the ones at the top of the league this year, uh, the, the Orioles, the Rays, the Dodgers. They've really, uh, you know, kind of taken, you know, taken it to an art form of, of taking a guy and, and turning him into something great. And uh, you, you know, you know, a lot I, of times it works out well. I remember, Gabe, there were back in the day, there were some guys that weren't terribly big that really threw hard. For example. Tim Lincecum, who, you know, had a wild, mm-hmm. you know, he was, and now I probably ended his career prematurely because his body couldn't really take that kind of pressure and the torque and all that that it took to get that fastball. Another guy who I remember watching when I was a kid was Ron Guidry for the Yankees. I mean, he was a hard thrower, and he was like 5'8 or 5'9. That's funny. I, I... <laughs> I uh, was just chatting with a couple of buddies the other day, and I actually looked up Ron Guidry's height because that uh, Kyle Harrison kid kind of reminded me of him, the new Giants rookie. Yeah, Ron Guidry was 5'11". Oh, Billy he was 5'11". Wagner. Oh, that's a little better than I thought. Yeah, a little, a little taller. But, uh, yeah, Billy Wagner, not uh, not a real tall guy. Uh, yeah, it, it can, uh, you know, velocity and the kinetic chain and biomechanics and all that, you know, velocity can come from a lot of different places. Uh, so it's, uh, it is interesting to, to kind of ponder that. And yeah, you know, I mean, Lincecum, you just look at how far downhill he got, uh, and, and the strain that it put on those hips, you know, uh, sure. that, uh, that was really, really tough for him yet, uh, just explosive. That ball was absolutely explosive in a few really great years. So, you know, you, you look at Lincecum in hindsight, uh, you know, was it worth it? I imagine it probably was. You know, it, let's just let's just assume that his mechanics were were compromising his body. In this case, largely his you know his legs, his base, what have you. Uh, you know, two Cy Young awards. Uh, you know, probably a hundred million dollars or so in earnings. Uh, two or three World Series championships. Uh, so yeah, I mean it. Uh, it's uh, it's tough to say if that wasn't worth it or not, uh, you know. So it's, uh, it it kind of worked out for him, but uh, tougher with the arm when uh, when when you have to work really hard to generate velocity, and maybe you're asking your body to do something that uh, that is a strain on it one way or the other, because you may have to sacrifice your mechanics to get to that uh, to get to that velocity. Let me get to this real quickly. You know, there's been a couple of teams that have really come on towards the end. Now, Seattle was really red hot, and they have kind of cooled a little bit. But who do you see as the threats to get into maybe? Craft Hawaii's Vendor Days are here this week. 
Save 10% off Bosch Power Tools and a 25% off accessories at Woodcraft Hawaii. Well, we apologize. We had brief, uh, brief technical difficulty. Hopefully that's done with. And uh, we hope to get uh, Gabe Blacks back just in time to make the prediction for the postseason. And, and Gabe, sorry about that. I don't know exactly what happened, but let's get to this. I mean, who is likely to make the playoffs? The, can you run down the American League first? Yeah, no, it's it's coming into focus pretty well. You know, the you know, the Orioles and Rays are, are certainly a lock. Uh, the Twins probably certain to win the Central. They're seven games up on a Cleveland team that's really punchless. Uh, and then, yeah, the, those last two wild cards are uh, really interesting. Uh, you know, we, when you've got, uh, it's basically, a, you know, four teams for three spots that are all within a couple games of each other. I, I have thought, and I don't need to pat myself on the back in hindsight, but I have thought Houston would eventually take command of that that division, and not to say that they have yet, but the the run that they're on, that Jose Altuve is on, yeah. is pretty remarkable. Uh, I think uh, you know, I, I think the, the Jays have never totally counted out, but uh, I think they'll be good for that second wild card. So I think end of the year uh, it's going to come down to Seattle and Texas, kind of tooth and nail you know, to get to that 92 wins or so for that final wild card berth. So, uh, but yeah, that's a really interesting four-team derby uh, across two divisions for, for three playoff spots there. Yeah, that'll be really fun, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. Have you ever seen, I, I can't remember a time, and I've grown up, I grew up in New York, baseball fan generally, mostly Mets, but, you know, if they were out of town and we could catch a Yankee game, we did. Uh, it was that kind of thing. And, um you know, I don't recall ever seeing both teams be this bad. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely happened. Uh, you know, I um, it's uh, I think it's probably uh, probably sort of uh, compounded by the fact that there were expectations uh, this year for both teams. You know, it's just uh, it's just. Uh, Really disappointing what they've done. You know, the, I, I watched the Mets last night. They were here in D.C., and it just kind of confounds me. You know, they're, they're probably going to have three or four, two, three, four guys with like an 800 OPS. You know, uh, Pete yeah. Alonso is going to hit about 45 home runs. Nimmo was, uh, you know, was pretty good. It just, you know, it's it just confounding uh, what, what's going on with them. Uh, just to jog your memory, I don't know if this was the worst most recent year, but 1992. Yankees seventy six and eighty six, Mets seventy two and ninety. Wow! Uh, so, <laughs> of course, uh, not too long after that, the um, you know the Yankees would turn it around basically in perpetuity. Uh, you know, of course, we'll see if they get back over five hundred this year, and, and of course, the Mets have had some success. Uh, you know, especially in recent times this year. But yeah, you know, expectation can really, really poison the well, and when things aren't going well, it just kind of compounds on itself. So, sure. I think when uh, they yeah, lost Diaz, they lost the Mets lost Diaz, and then I, I was really amazed that they just decided to uh, pack it in and get rid of Scherzer, you know, and Verlander. That was really something. Right, and, uh, and pay pay money for prospects, and uh, you know, kind of pay to make them go away. Although it probably did cut down their luxury tax uh, bill pretty well, but at the same time, it's uh, kind of this weird middle ground now between uh, cutting your losses a little bit, but also being being in for a pretty big bill. So we're really interested to see what uh, what pack they take in the winter. 
Gabe, we appreciate you for coming on with us today. Good hearing your voice, and uh, we'll check in with you when we get close to postseason. All right. Thank you so much, Bobby. You sound better than ever, and we'll, we'll do it again for sure. Thanks. Gabe Lax from USA uh, Today with us. If you have something, now's a good time, and uh, you can go ahead and go uh, to our number, 808-296-1420. If you're on Verizon, it's a different number. And uh, I don't know if you have it in front of you. I should write it down. But I think it's 808-546-1223. Is that right? Tanner, you'll have to. Okay, I think I got that right. So, and you can, if you're on Verizon, that, that would be your number to call us or text us. And again, you can go with the other number, the familiar one, 808-296-1420. And that's good for texting as well as calling. So give us a ring. Uh, you know, I don't know. A lot of people have, have high expectations of Aaron Rodgers as his move to the Jets, uh, and he apparently is having a great time. He's enjoying all of the. I mean, when there's not when there's a big sporting event in New York, he's at it, uh, and now he'll be playing in it, and it, it gets started right away here. I I don't know how good the Jets are going to be. I it seems like the it's gone absolutely mad in New York in terms of. These people, forget they haven't made the playoffs in seemingly forever, but now you've got Jet fans predicting they're going to play in the Super Bowl. Is that too much? I, I don't know. When you've got teams you know, like Cincinnati and Kansas City, I mean Buffalo and even Miami in their own division, and I, I just think that's way premature. Let's see how this starts to work out. Um, it may. It may work out beautifully, but... I find often these big trades don't work out in that way, that you think it's going to be great and it ends up being uh, pretty meh would be the way I would put it. If you Go ahead if you have something. And, uh, Tanner, you'll let me know when I have a, a text? Okay, thank you for that. And uh, which, what's interesting, you know, I thought it was funny that I'm just seeing this from ESPN because there's certain quarterbacks – that there's expectations always tied to them. Russell Wilson with Denver is one of them. Now, he was with Denver last year. It was not very good that season. Sean Payton comes in as the head coach, and he's vowing to make Russell Wilson sort of something of what he was uh, when he was with Seattle. It's not been as good since. So what will happen? I don't have any idea, but he just said he's recommended to Russell Wilson he could stop kissing babies all the time. He goes, you're not running for public office, which I thought was interesting. That's a little bit of a cut on Russell Wilson. I think his priorities aren't in the right place, maybe. But we'll, we'll see. He still can throw the football. He's still got reasonable agility so he can get out of trouble. Now the question is, is there enough around him to make this a good season for the Denver Broncos? I, I have my doubts, frankly. Now, I'm not sure they're going to be a playoff team. I know a lot of people are counting on it, but I, I'm not one of them. If it happens, I'll take, be the first to take my hat off uh, to Russell Wilson. But I just think he's, he's got a lot going on, uh, even off the field. So is that going to be a distraction? Who knows? I don't think Sean Payton is going to be happy about it. I think that comment that I just mentioned, quote I just delivered, uh, would tell you that. that he's, uh, stop kissing babies all the time. Jeez, Louise. I mean, I, you know, it's kind of a funny thing to tell your all-pro type quarterback. And uh, go ahead if you have something you want to deliver to us. That's fine. 
808-296-1420. And the other one is 808-546-1223. And that's if you have Verizon. And anyway, we're, we're kind of having some fun today. We're, all, we're on baseball, Major League Baseball, and also on the NFL with the first game coming up tomorrow. I think it's an interesting deal. I, uh, I'm anxious to see that game tomorrow. Um, I don't know if it's going to be a great game or just an okay game. I mean, that's really hard to tell at this point. Uh, by the way, this is a little newsy item. Uh, Chris Mortensen, longtime ESPN reporter, has now retired. Uh, he's had uh, serious health issues over the year. One time had stage four throat cancer. I don't know if uh, any of that has kicked back in, but he's announced his retirement and says he'll still be talking occasionally with everybody. So that's that's an interesting deal as well. And uh, go ahead if you have something. Uh, and again, 808-296-1420. Now, we've got a little bit of time, so we can take your calls and or texts, and I would love to, to hear from you. So do please go ahead and uh, treat us to that. And uh, now I am trying to get my my stuff together on the first week of the NFL uh, games, which is coming up. Um, It starts tonight, uh, and then it's going to be tomorrow, rather, and uh, tomorrow night. And then that's going to get, I think, quite interesting. So you're looking at Lions Chiefs tomorrow night, and then when I'm starting to take a look at the whole schedule for the weekend, I think there's going to be some pretty interesting stuff happening. I, I'm seeing a lot of people now predicting the Washington Commanders as a playoff team. Where's that coming from? I'm not sure of that one at all. I mean, they're going to have to hope that Sam Howell is one terrific quarterback. Now he was. I always thought he was adventurous, but iffy when he was at North Carolina. I wasn't even sure he'd end up in the NFL, but he's there, and he's going to be the starter tomorrow night, which is really interesting, I think. And... Uh, I, I, you know, or this weekend. So that that's really something for him. Um, that's a that's a that's confidence that the coach has. I, a lot of people believe that Ron Rivera could be on the way out if he doesn't if they don't have a good season. And I think that's possible. I, I don't think you could rule that out at all. And we've got uh, to check my time. It's about six forty four. So we're going to go another minute or two if we can get you to call or text. We that would be fun. Um, I. Big changes in the college football poll. So, I mean, the surprising wins by Duke over Clemson and then last year's national uh, runner-up, TCU, uh, getting beaten soundly by Colorado. Um, And I say beaten soundly because who expected that? I mean, I don't think anybody. They were 20-point underdogs. So, but, you know, hey, give credit to Deion Sanders. He talks a good story, but they delivered on it. On, on Saturday, so that's a, that's a huge win for them. They're both in the national rankings now. Who could have expected that? And uh, But I certainly didn't. I thought that this was going to be a learning curve. And by the way, uh, Sanders' son, Shador, was unreal in that game. Over 500 yards passing, five touchdowns. I mean, nuts. It was really a good performance. Now I think the question is, what's the level of sustainability for Colorado. And Duke just took advantage of numerous Clemson mistakes. Clemson was the number nine team in the country, and that one ended up being a two-touchdown win for Duke. 
and that puts them in the top 25. How sustainable is that? I don't know. But we'll, I guess we'll find out going forward pretty quick. As the guy said in application at the NFL, first week is all lies. Well, I think that might be true in college football to some extent as well. Except in college, you get a lot of people that take on huge mismatches where a team's a 30-point favorite type of thing. And that, you know, that, that doesn't, I don't think that does anything for college football. I never, I never felt that it has. But I understand the people who do it because they say, look, you know, everybody can complain about the schedule, but we get three early wins. They're not going away. They stay on your record. So if you're close to a bowl game and you end up being, say, seven and six, Instead of, you know, five and eight, well, there's a huge difference I mean, in the donations that come in, on the perception of your team, of the alumni reactions and other big donors. I just think it, it matters. It, it does matter. And I don't think it's going to go well at all for a lot of these college teams when they start playing just each other, you know, the, in the Power Five. And because a lot of people are demanding that. And if that happens and suddenly instead of being, you know, seven and six in your 13 games, you're five and eight and then staying home while everyone else is playing bowl games, it's not going to go over big with your alums. Promise you that. That's going to, that's how you can write that down in stone right this minute. That is not going to go over well. Okay, go ahead if you have something. I'm just looking at one score. I saw that uh, Canada beat Germany. Uh, 181 in FIBA World Cup. That is the uh, that's the precursor to the Olympics, really. And that didn't really surprise me. Canada's pretty good and has been for a while. And we don't even realize sometimes how many of the stars from Canada have come across the border to play in the NBA. And because they're English speakers, we don't even think of them necessarily as uh, foreigners. But that's certainly true. And uh, we're, let's take let's do this. We've got to take a quick timeout. We'll do that now and be right back on the Bobby Curran Show, ESPN, Honolulu. Welcome back to this Wednesday edition of the Bobby Curran Show. We've got a couple of things as I look forward uh, to the weekend. We mentioned that uh, Kansas City's hosting Detroit tomorrow. That is a smaller line than I thought it would be. It's six and a half. And uh, I thought I would have said maybe nine in that one. But I think there's, uh, there's a big feeling that because of Detroit's offense that they're going to be able to hang in a lot of games. And if they can turn it into a score fest, who knows? I mean, but listen, Kansas City's no slouch on offense. Let's not forget that one either. Well, I'm looking at some of the other NFL games. The ones in su- on Sunday – uh, Atlanta is a three-and-a-half-point favorite over Carolina. I'm inclined to say that that is probably going to go Atlanta's way. I, I just think Bryce Young, it's a debut. It's a first game. We'll see. But I, I think I would take Atlanta in that one if I was picking. A couple of other interesting games. Uh, the Cincinnati is a two-and-a-half-point favorite at Cleveland. That's interesting. And we don't even know for sure if Joe Burrow is going to play. So I, I think the feeling is that he probably will. But I don't know if I was him, I would be too anxious to play. He hasn't gotten a contract yet. And you're going into a, a game that has one of the best best pass rushers going. Uh, I don't know if I would want to risk taking that huge hit. Because let's face it, 
Joe Burrow will be taken care of even if he does get hurt. But will it matter? Yeah, I think it will. I don't think he'll get as much as he would if he is healthy and has a great first game, for example. I think that's just human nature. They're not going to want to hand it out with a guy because once a guy gets hurt, they're always worried about him staying hurt. And as someone said the other day, calves can be tricky. Remember Kevin Durant with the calf? They said, oh, there's no problem. It's just a calf. And it turned into a, you know, a, to a, what, Achilles, uh, I think, pretty quickly. And that's, that's an awful injury. So, uh, it, and he was out a full year with that. So it just makes you think. Because I don't think there's much hope for Cincinnati to be great without Joe Burrow. Just saying. I mean, for the whole season. They, they, that's a guy they absolutely need. It's my feeling. Um, Tanner, you got a, you got an upset pick for this weekend? Who do, you, who do you like for an upset? Well, I think I would have to go straight to tomorrow in that Detroit Lions-Kansas City Chiefs game because right now, as it stands, the uh, over, the uh, line sits at four and a half now because there's just a whole lot of uh, unknowns going on right now with the Kansas City Chiefs. Of course, they have Patrick Mahomes, but they're not going to have Chris Jones kind of like their anchor of their entire defense. And without that, I'm concerned about the Kansas City run defense, especially because I'm not really sure they have anyone who's ready to take that next step up. Because right now, the Detroit Lions are coming in with one of the better offensive lines in the NFL. They're coming in with two really good running backs, in my opinion, and David Montgomery and the rookie Jameer Gibbs, who they're absolutely raving about in Detroit right now. And not to mention... They also have a pretty good passing game, which they are planning to use a lot of Jameer Gibbs in both games. You also have Amon Ross St. Brown. Uh, the rookie Sam Laporta from Iowa is also looking to be pretty good. And the one main concern for Kansas City is whether or not Travis Kelsey is going to be playing because of his hyperextension that he suffered a couple of days ago. So that's what, to me, would be the main concern probably the main reason why there could be an upset in the Thursday night opener for the NFL is because Patrick Mahomes just doesn't have the weapon that he absolutely loves. And we all know you need Travis Kelsey for that offense. And they also don't have their best defensive player on the other side of the ball. No question. Chris Jones is a beast. Uh, you know, I just think you got to have him. So, I don't know how long he stays out, but he looks pretty committed to not playing until he gets what he wants. So we'll see. We'll see if he's, he keeps that. And, and the same thing with Bosa. Slightly different situations because Bosa is still in the last year of his contract. But he, you know, he said, look, with the number of sacks I put up, it's time for you to get up and get me the contract I need. And I, I don't think it's – if I was him, I might feel the same way about it. I know a lot of people are kind of on that old – school thing of, well, you sign the contract, live up to it. But those contracts favor the NFL, not the players. So I, I can understand if a guy feels like he has leverage, he's going to go ahead and use it. All right, what about Dallas and New York Giants in, at uh, MetLife Stadium on Sunday night? I'm going to have to go with my man, Vanilla Vic, Daniel, Di Daniel Dimes, you know, that right. good old guy. I like him. I like yeah. Brian Dable and what he brings to that team. And I'm excited for year two of that regime. I have rarely been as happy with one of your selections as I am with that one. That is going to wrap us up. Thanks to Gabe Wax, our guest from USA Today. For Tanner Hayworth, from all of us at ESPN Honolulu, I'm Bobby Curran. Aloha.